Hey, everybody, before we get to the meat of today's show, I'm going to serve up a little appetizer for you here and tell you about another libertarian podcast, another great podcast out there, hosted by our friends over at Good Morning Liberty, also known as Nate and Charlie. And of course, there's been some talk and some rumors and some things swirling about name mispronunciations and they might have called me Jack. I might have called Nate Nick. None of that matters. None of that matters at all. What matters is the awesome show they deliver multiple days a week. It's a uh, five-day-per-week podcast. They have an awesome segment coming up at the end of the week called the Dumb Bleep of the Week, and it is hilarious. It's a can't-miss. It's one of those segments that, you know, even if you're not listening to every episode, you got to tune back in. You don't miss the dumb bleep. So check out Good Morning Liberty. Go subscribe to their podcast, Good Morning Liberty. Check it out today with Nate and Charlie. We are born free, and we will die free. The time in between, though, that's complicated. In that time, governments, institutions, and our egos will limit our ability to find true freedom in this life. These are real stories of real people overcoming the odds, persevering in justice, and unlocking their potential. Welcome to Finding Freedom. Here's your host, John Oderman. Hey, welcome back to another episode of Finding Freedom right here on the Lions of Liberty podcast. And guys, I'm excited for you to hear from today's guest. Got another great guest for you. And, you know, diving back into the uh, the criminal justice side of the swimming pool this week. So, you know, it's uh, things can get choppy. Things can get a, uh, a little bit rough. But these stories are stories that need to be told. And I will never shy away from telling these stories. When I changed the name to, uh, to Finding Freedom for Felony Friday, it didn't mean I was abandoning the criminal justice system. It just meant that I was broadening uh, the show and the things that I'd be looking at. But still, the focus of this show is exposing injustice and giving a platform to those people who have been trampled by the state, been trampled by corporations, been trampled by the man, a stage, a platform to share that story, to get the word out so other people are able to relate to a, uh, a human, another human being, a human face, and uh, in the story that they're telling. So excited for you all to hear it. Just one note before we get rolling here today, if you guys just stumbled across this show, which would be amazing, you're listening to my voice right now, just in randomness, but if you did, you know, this is what we have here. It's a bit of a variety program. Uh, We have three shows per week. On Monday, we have our program hosted by Mark Clare. It's our longest running uh, show that we have. It's mostly interviews, also some debates, getting into philosophy, entrepreneurship, application, uh, things like that. Uh, On Wednesday, we have Electric Liberty Land hosted by Brian McWilliams. It's more of a current events, current events based show, but I will say that Brian has been doing a fantastic job uh, with interviews uh, lately, and uh, that's been I've been enjoying listening to those. And of course, this show, Finding Freedom, every Thursday. Please subscribe where you subscribe, or f- I guess on Apple Podcasts, it's now follow. Apple Podcasts has made it like it's they've made it difficult to follow podcasts. 
It used to be this big button that you would hit to subscribe. Now up in the upper right-hand corner, it's this little tiny circled plus sign. You got to like put your finger sideways to just barely touch it to follow the podcast so you get it downloaded to your phone. So go ahead. If you're listening on an iPhone or an Apple podcast, go do that. Do the sideways finger thing to get our shows delivered to your phone. We appreciate it. You'll appreciate it. Everybody wins, guys. It's mutually beneficial for everyone involved. Enjoy today's show. Let's get to it. My guest today on Finding Freedom is Shannon Lawson. Shannon is here to advocate for her sister, Carrie Burroughs. Carrie was released under the CARES Act, as so many prisoners were. She was released uh, last June, June of 2020. Uh, She spent in a halfway house before finally getting sent home. Then in June of this year, 2021, Carrie was returned to prison. She was charged with escape because they claim she violated uh, violated the terms of her release. And it's it's a ridiculous story. It's a very sad story. Uh, Shannon, thanks for coming on Finding Freedom. Oh, you're welcome. Glad to be here. Yeah, great to get to speak with you. Um, Lynn, uh, Lynn Espeo, who's been on the show a couple times, she, uh, she connected us and she's, you know, been very engaged and, uh, very good at communicating these stories that, that no one is talking about. These people get, getting sent back to prison, um, after being released under the CARES Act. So before we get into that part of the story, um, maybe you could start out just by telling us a little bit about Carrie and, um, how she first, you know, got tied up and going to prison and, and what happened there. It, I, I believe it would take longer than 30 minutes for me to explain <laughs> my sister to you. But um, the, the short version of that is that Carrie has always bounced against the boundaries of the rules in her life. But she had never been a felon prior mm-hmm. to all of this. This was her first offense and, and it was an offense. Um, whether or not she deserved 12 years in federal prison for it, when they had no proof, it, it was the word of a Homeland Security agent who got a, some, something of a confession from Carrie while she was high, essentially. Mm. Um, that is the word they used in court to prosecute her to hold her accountable for things they had no proof of and uh, corner her and convince her to take a plea with me begging her, do not take a plea, make this go in front of a jury. She said, I just want it over with. And I'm like, you're talking about 12 years. No, that's not going to be over with anytime soon. You're Mm -hmm. you're doing 85% of that. So during the the time that she was in prison, um, well, I mean, for for what was, what what was the crime that she was, that convicted of then drugs okay. uh, conspiracy to distribute um actually being in possession of and mm-hmm. she also had a gun at the time never been fired this this is a nine millimeter and an extra clip that this weapon had never been fired once and the prosecution agreed to null pros all charges related to the gun if she would just take a plea on the rest of it. And um, again, I discouraged her from taking a plea because first offense, stop it. 
you're, y'all are trying to throw the book at someone who's never been a felon in their life. Never. And uh, she took the plea. And when it came time for sentencing, Judge Hickey brought up the gun charge during sentencing. And she used it to calculate the points against Carrie. And she used what the Homeland Security agent had alleged, which they had no proof of, mm-hmm. um, to sentence her. And that just gave her more sentencing points to, to an extent of 12 years. And Judge Hickey said uh, that she wanted Carrie to be located somewhere close to Hot Springs because our parents are disabled. And uh, they immediately sent her to Aliceville, Alabama, which as you know, is nowhere near Hot Springs, Arkansas. So, um, yeah. And she was miserable. Uh, she was, has never been away from home in her life, but yet this Homeland Security agent, uh, alleged that she was a flight risk. So they did not give her bond and she had to stay in Saline County jail for a year prior to being, to having her hearing. And she was miserable there. She was not getting proper medical treatment there. Um, Then when she was finally sentenced and shackled and sent hither and yon for processing through Fayetteville and Oklahoma, then Aliceville, and they put her in a camp, which, I mean, if you don't know anything about federal prison, it's an outdoor federal prison. It has no walls. But you are in the middle of nowhere. You cannot walk away from this and just keep walking and it'd be okay. You're going to suffer from exposure. Uh, That being said, she put in for a transfer and was sent to Coleman, Florida, (laughs) because that's closer. And uh, that being given her only option, and she was working at Unicor, making money. Um, Still, There's some bad bad stories that have come out of Coleman. She was suffering from those bad stories. Yeah. Um, she had back-to-back staph infections. Um, wow. She had, uh, really, and for her, she's always had out-of-control diabetes, but in a secluded situation with the BOP, she was not given adequate medical attention for her mm-hmm. diabetes. So these things that started out as basically uh, an ingrown hair turned into massive boils that would then they would turn septic and she would get cellulitic infections that just spread up and down her leg, almost lost her leg at one point. And then it finally, um, I sent the nurse a list of the proper antibiotics that she needed to be on and in what order. And they finally got it cleared up, uh, before she lost her leg. And then, um, you, you were able to send that because you're, you're a doctor and you, and you know that or, I have a medical history. Let's put it that okay. way. Okay, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm just, I'm just curious. Yeah, yeah I just happen to know um, infectious disease pretty well. Okay. Um, I've been in medicine for a long time, but we're not getting. This isn't about me. This is about my sister, and um, I don't understand why they wouldn't do the same research that I did on if this isn't working, try this. But it did, and. Mm-hmm. Then, under the CARES Act, because of the Legionella spread in that facility, along with her exogenous obesity and her underlying diabetes, high blood pressure, um, chronic anxiety over the whole thing, I'm sure, um, released her on the CARES Act to come straight home. And when she got off the plane, she was told she'd have to go to the halfway house 
for about an hour to change her ankle monitor or give her an ankle monitor. And then we go home. When we arrived at city of faith, it was a whole different story. She was not allowed to leave. They kept her there for months during which time she lost a toe. Wow. So what was, what happened there? How, what, how did they justify that to keeping her for that long? What did they say? They didn't, they didn't have to. That's the thing with the Bureau of Prisons and these halfway houses. They don't have to explain themselves, and they ritually do not. And they take great joy in knowing that they don't have to explain anything to you. I have an email from April Shannon, who was my sister's caseworker and also Lynn's caseworker, that I was explaining to her that in Pulaski County, Carrie's not getting her medicines. And essentially, her email tells me I couldn't care less. I have nothing to do with this. I've washed my hands of this. And so I got up with the nurse at Pulaski County and let her know what medications that Carrie needed. Um, and they, the next day they got her, her list of medications and she's doing, she's doing much better now. Well, so when she, so she got out eventually after she got out of the halfway house after several months. After she so, lost. After she lost a toe in the halfway house, after getting, you know, the compassionate release, very compassionate to go in a halfway house where you're in circumstances where you're not getting the medications you need, that that you lose a toe, not much compassion there. So when she finally got home, um, when was that? Was that late 2020? um, August or September of last year. So late 2020. She was home by her birthday, which is in October. But I, I couldn't tell you exactly which month. This has all happened so yeah. fast. It's been ridiculous. So w- when she got home, she had the ankle monitor on. And was she not allowed to leave the house at all? Like what, what kind of restrictions was she under? Um, she could go to work every day, which was in Little Rock. She was driving back and forth. Um, it's a one hour drive each way. And she had, I think, two to three hours of a break on Saturdays. But other than that, she, she could go to doctor's appointments, but she had to call first. Uh, she was under constant telephone surveillance. She had to keep her phone on her at all times. I had to email a copy of my pay of the phone bill every month to April Shannon, even though this is the number they're calling routinely. Um, but she had to see a copy of this phone bill. They micromanaged every millisecond of Carrie's life. They would call her at three o'clock in the morning at my mother's house. My parents are septuagenarians and they're calling at three o'clock in the morning for no particular reason. She has an ankle monitor on. I mean, really just. Mm -hmm. So uh, there was a trailer. There is a trailer on my parents' property that uh, our sister passed away in, in February of last year. And her son demolished the inside of it. It's, it's not livable. But what Carrie wanted to do was basically refurbish the inside a little bit at a time and then get with the halfway house about having Mr. Trigg come out and, and look it over and validate it as an approved residence for her so she could stay there with her dog. Mm-hmm. And um, she, of course, she never finished doing that. But she did alert the halfway house that she would be. It is on our parents' property. It's just a storage trailer currently. But she just wanted to make it into a little tiny home for herself. Just like for an idea, so people can understand, like how far is the trailer from the house that she was staying in? 
I would say 50 feet from the back corner of the wow. house, to the back That's corner it. of the trailer. It's about a 50 foot gap right there. So really it's the back of the house is nearly touch mm-hmm. right there. But the, the roof on my mother's house is steel and the roof on this mobile home is metal. And, you know, and I'm not going to swear by this because that's not my area of specialty, but it could have caused the GPS to malfunction. But the, the GPS pinged her at not only that trailer for, I don't even know how many hours, 358 hours of her being away from her approved residence was what they charged her with. And some of these places were homes adjacent to that trailer, empty, boarded up, grown over. No one lives there. The house across the street, which has been foreclosed on. No one lives there. The house across from my parents, which is owned by a gentleman who said Carrie has never been in his house ever. Mm -hmm. Not even before this had she ever been over there. So why the GPS pinged her there? I I have no idea. But legitimately, this should have been a slap on the wrist and, um, hey, we need to switch out this this ankle monitor. But instead, just like Judge Hickey making an example of my sister, it appears that that process is starting all over again because they've thrown her into a county jail where she's had no hearing. Uh, She has been offered no way to explain her side of it, no way to prove her side of it before they just chuck her back in the system. Ah, it's so crazy. And it, it, it's amazing to me, like, because, I mean, I use GPS, as I'm sure many of my listeners, all probably every listener uses GPS almost every day when you're, you know, driving somewhere, you put it in your phone and you're getting directions. All the time it gets screwed up. You lose your signal all the time. It, you think, it thinks you're on, on a different road. It happens consistently. Um, it's just, it's crazy that they're basing someone's freedom on a GPS signal. And it's not like they're picking up a GPS signal, like two towns away. It's like in that same vicinity, you would think there'd be like some sort of margin for error that you would factor in based on, you know, malfunctioning and just the, the general, uh, you know, instructions or directions that come with the GPS. I don't know. that's my hope. That's the, she's been there. Friday will be a month that she's been in county lockup, and my hope is that they are investigating, mm-hmm. that they're looking at these locations, and that they're going to come back and say, "Okay, we can understand how this could have happened. You know, we're sorry. You can go home." I hope they do that. I pray they do that. I doubt they do that. It's sad. It's sad, and I I doubt it too. Just because I've seen I've seen the way these people operate, it's it's sick. And I I mean I don't know how. And I've said this many times. I said this with, with Lynn's case. I don't know how these people sleep at night. I mean, knowing that you're doing this to people, and also that the families are, are suffering too. It's it's unimaginable to me how these people are able to look themselves in the mirror doing stuff like this. So turning back to to Carrie, when this all, you know, went down and she went to county lockup, were you able to to communicate with her while she's in there? What what are her spirits like? I spoke to her by video chat earlier today for the first time, and she said her blood sugar was doing great. Um, 
they are not feeding her a diabetic diet. So the evening time sugars are a little off, but I'm glad to hear that. She seemed very upbeat and truly grateful to be able to see me. And she didn't have anything negative to say. They've moved her to a new unit so she doesn't have to consistently climb stairs, which she got another infection. I think she was spider bit, honestly, but uh, on her left toe. And she was in the hospital for six days um, in May and almost lost that foot because obviously anything that happens to your extremities when you're a diabetic is, is it can be lethal. Mm-hmm. And so she was just, she was still in wound care. She's still in wound therapy when they arrested her, when they took her back. And no one has looked at her foot since she's been in there. So this could still deteriorate into a bad situation. But I'm hoping that since they have her on the proper meds now, that it will improve. She seems upbeat, although she knows that she's probably going back. Um, she just doesn't want to get any more time for this escape charge that they gave her. Yeah, I guess I guess that's kind of my question is, and you hate to even ask it, but like, what is the the worst case scenario here that she could end up with? Um, I have I don't believe in jail talk, you know, and I've I've heard a lot of different. This is going to be up to the Bureau of Prisons, one hundred percent, and they could just. Flatten out her time, um, let her do the rest of it. They could let her do the five years that she has remaining on her original, the original T8. They -hmm. could take away all of her good time, which would give, stretch out that T8 to 2027. Um, They could give her more time based on this escape charge, um, five years, up to 10 years, I think, depending on how serious it is. And just because we don't think it's serious doesn't mean they don't. Um, right. And- 358 hours of being away from her approved residence is serious to them. Hey, just a, a quick break here. I want to tell you about a new sponsor we have on the show, PalomaVerdeCBD.com. This is a family company, great people out of San Antonio, Texas. Really excited to be working with them. Uh, the promo code, if you go to their website, it's you get 25% off. Promo code is ROAR. Just enter that 25% off, a $75 order and up. And every order is uh, is free shipping, which for small companies, that, that's hard to do. So that's, that's an amazing deal you're getting here. Incredible products. I'm just going to talk about one of them that, I mean, I'll be fully honest, I haven't tried these yet, but I have good friends who swear by them. And I'm going to be ordering this product. Really excited to try it out. I will give you the feedback as soon as I do. It's their eucalyptus lavender soft. It's it's for muscle aches and joint pain. As somebody works out and runs, I'm really excited to uh, to try this out. So you guys will hear my feedback. So for all your CBD needs, you're going to go to palomaverdecbd.com. Once again, 25% off with code Roar. Check it out. I, I mean, I, I can understand if, if, if you know, you have to, you have to figure the, the, the way that they're looking at this is, is they're looking at it in obviously different lens than, than, than you or I would. Um, they're looking at it as, you know, somebody who's breaking the rules they set in place in order to, you know, supposedly keep them safe. Um, keep them out of trouble. Um, so that so they're thinking, you know, by by locking them down, by bringing them back, they're actually um, keeping the public safe and keeping 
um, keeping your sister safe, which in fact is, is the exact opposite. There's that thought. Then there's also the thought that the way that the system, uh, the criminal justice system, and, and those who work in that system, the way that they continue to have jobs and continue to uh, you know get more funding is by keeping their facilities full, and it's it's the whole recidivism thing. I mean, they just want to keep people in prison. Once you get in, they don't want to let you out. Agreed. It's ridiculous. My sister was working. Uh, She had a car wreck in November on her way back and totaled her car. And then she transferred to Hot Springs and was working at a similar facility here. And then when she got the infection in her toe, she was off work for a few weeks there and had literally just that day been released to go back to work when she was called in to the halfway house to answer for her ankle monitor. That's terrible. And, and when you go back to the original charge, her original charge, yes, she did have a gun, but it was not a violent crime. No. Um, she was using drugs, using drugs. Well, you know, I wouldn't, I wouldn't advise anyone to, uh, to, to use drugs, of course, but you're not hurting anyone but yourself in that circumstance, as long as you're not, you know, getting in a vehicle or anything like that. And uh, for, for that, maybe she's looking at all told being in prison until God knows. I mean, 2027, you said maybe more years based on this whole escape narrative. It, it's insanity. It's, it's it is. like if, if people, when people look at the criminal justice system, they don't think cases like this actually happen, but this is common. It is. It is. I, I watched a podcast with uh, Lynn yesterday i believe may have been day before yesterday my days are running together but she was giving specific cases where a number of women were in prison to begin with for ridiculous things for a ridiculous number of years taken Mm -hmm. away family and friends released and then sent back and one lady was pregnant and i'm thinking as you said how are you guys sleeping at night knowing that this woman didn't do anything wrong. If she didn't call in, oops, that's a hand slap. That's not a sender back. And she did actually call in, but now she has to give birth to her baby in prison because she supposedly did not call the halfway house. These halfway houses are not staffed by professionals. These halfway houses are staffed by high school graduates who may or may not understand the seriousness of what they're doing, of what their job entails. And if you do and do not report these things accurately, this is someone's life. Mm -hmm. And they may or may not take it seriously. Again, like I said, the email that I got from, from April Shannon was, I don't want to say offensive because that makes it sound too personal, but it was um, vacuous as if these are commodities, not humans. And that's how I feel that this has been, this is somewhere changed down the line where these individuals that are incarcerated for whatever they've done are no longer being treated as humans. They're being treated as cattle, worse than cattle. Mm -hmm. Uh, Animals in the shelters are treated better. Yeah, it's, it's, it's insanity. And I say this all the time, you know, when someone goes to prison, whether it is justified or not, and many times, you know, people do need to go to prison for sure. 
Um, but at the end of the day, I mean, the circumstances that under imprisoned, any um, you know educational opportunities that they have or or, or do not have, um, that's going to mold and contribute to the person they are when they come out and the environment in there, either how harsh it is or how nice it is or um, how um, uh, conducive it is to healing. Um, that's going to determine the person they are when they come out. And still way too many people in society. I think this is slowly starting to change the, the temperature of society is starting to understand that um, prisons need to be more based on reforming and less based on uh penalizing with harsh, horrible conditions and just mean, angry uh, prison guards, because you hear so many stories with horrible things happening with that. So hopefully we're reaching a point where there's a a reckoning where we really rethink, what are we doing with sending people away? What is the outcome? What do we want? Do we want somebody to come out and have valuable skills where they can contribute to society? And I hope someday we can get to that. I think basically they're just pushing them back into the attic so they don't have to look at them. They just put them in a place where they don't have to think about them anymore. And Mm -hmm. they learn how to get away with it next time. I think prisons need to employ individuals with psychology backgrounds, people who can counsel addicts and counsel alcoholics. Because in Arkansas, you can go to prison for a DWI, for being an alcoholic and getting behind the wheel of a car, um, even if you're not driving the car, just sitting in it with the key in the ignition will get mm-hmm. you a DWI in Arkansas and put you in prison. And the what they have in place to support these people and really get into their computer and find out what you're dealing with as far as a human being is not adequate. These individuals, like my sister, she has ADHD, had her entire life. And that has hurt her on so many levels with employment, with relationships. But now she has PTSD from this situation with the prison. And I understand that because being taken away from her family and, and that was just, it was just so wrong the way everything happened. And again, she did something wrong. She deserved to be punished, but not like this. Mm-hmm. Now she's home. You know, she was home for that period of time and couldn't get a job except at warehouses where she was doing physical labor jobs. Now, this is this was a 300-pound woman with type 2 diabetes raging on two different types of injectable insulin and oral medications to control her uh, out-of-control hyperglycemia. And she's having to do, I mean, manual labor work where she's hot, sweaty, standing on her feet all day, and it's because of the halfway house. Their rules were so stringent, so strict, that the employer would have to check in with them and give an accounting of these people's time at work, how much they made, how many hours they worked on a daily basis. And were they there today? Were they there today? Did they show up today? It wasn't good enough to see their paycheck at the end of the week. They had to have these daily and and individuals who are running businesses don't have time for that. Mm -hmm. So Carrie was stuck doing She went to school to be a translator. She is fluent in written and spoken Spanish. And that was what her goal was in life, to be a translator. Who's going to hire her when they have to go through the Dante's seventh layer of hell just to give this person a job? And they have to dance to the beat of someone else's drummer all the time. And that's what the halfway houses require. 
and I don't yeah, know. And, and, okay. and just just naturally by by the market, the jobs that are the the lowest pain and you know the the least amount of skill to get the job are the ones that are going to comply with that, so they're able to get that labor. And yeah. it just yeah kind of funnels people into that work. That's a really really good point. I'm I'm glad you you talked about that. So I'm curious to get um, your perspective, and also if, if you can speak for your parents if, if you want to. But whenever I have family members of uh, people who are incarcerated on, I like to ask them because like my my experience myself was um, similar. to This I had a uh, my brother in law went to prison before before uh, my wife and I were married, but um, and that was a had a big role in changing my outlook on the criminal justice system. Uh, so I'm curious to get your perspective on prior to your sister getting arrested and getting convicted, what was your view of the criminal justice system and how it worked then? And you can chime in if you want to for your parents' view and then how, how has that evolved over time? My parents have always had a high regard for the justice system on the whole. They are lifelong voters. They are extremely responsible, conservative Christian Americans. And they feel like the, the police need to be supported and upheld and our judicial system needs to be supported and upheld. And if you obey the rules that the, the world will leave you be. Mm-hmm. And for me, it has, I've lived a different sort of life in that I've known people in my sister's demographic and, and, and other people as well, obviously, but I, I don't fit into that. But I do know a number of people who have gone through this exact thing mm-hmm. and worse, uh, sometimes very much worse. Uh, a man that uh, lifted a set of headphones from a Walmart got 20 years for armed robbery. What? He did not point a, a weapon at them, but when they caught him... He had an unloaded pistol that didn't even work in his jacket. And he was charged with and sentenced to with armed robbery and sentenced to 20 years in the state prison. And this was just a his life has been one thing right after another, starting when he was very young. And I think 21 was when he got his first DWI. And this just domino effect of things getting worse and worse and worse for him because once you are in this demographic you no longer fit anywhere else and that's where you feel like you have to stay and Mm -hmm. that's where he has stayed and most of them that I know who have are labeled as felons that's how they spend their life feeling labeled and my parents I feel like they're at this point they're numb they don't even know how to react because it's she's home. She's there. She can be there to help them in their later years. Neither one of them are in good health. So they're excited to have her home. No more phone bills and everything is so expensive to try to help her while she's in there. Mm-hmm. Um, they don't have the money for that. They're both on Social Security. And so now they're devastated, both of them. Um, my dad's been in the hospital since all of this happened just right after she went and he's just breaking down quickly. My mother is losing her sanity over all of this. Um, She and Carrie have always been very, very close and this is devastating for her. And the federal government is responsible for Mm -hmm. all of this devastation. I mean, ultimately my sister did something wrong. 
at the end of the day, I am not ever going to say, well, she's innocent. No, she did something, several somethings wrong. And she needed to be reprimanded. She needed to be in a long-term rehabilitation facility to get a better grip and some coping mechanisms so she would not turn back to drugs when, when times got troubling. Um, 12 years in federal prison away from her family after being almost 40 years old and spending all of her life within earshot of her family, that was, that was just a recipe for a multitude of psychiatric illnesses that she's going to come out of this situation with. And my parents know that, and they're terrified. Yeah. The, the whole thing is so sad. And, I mean, you, you keep coming back to saying she did something wrong, and I, I totally understand where you're coming from there. But yeah, there's there's a point in time where, you know, you're, you're well past any sort of, of punishment for that. As that's past past long ago, and at this point, everything is just cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, it's it, it is, and that's that's really the story of our criminal justice system. So, Shannon, I, w- I want to thank you for uh, for coming on the show and advocating for your sister, mm-hmm. Carrie Burroughs. Um, is there anything that my listeners can do to help? I actually, I think they could write Congressman Westerman, fill his email inbox up. What's his full name? Bruce Westerman. Okay. He is a congressman in the state of Arkansas. I got an email from him a couple of days ago and uh, he was asking me about something completely unrelated, but I'm going to, I have not spoken to him about this yet, but I am going to bring it to his attention and offer more evidence as I talk to Lynn about more individuals who are going through these things. And I'm hoping he really will help. I have heard of multiple people who have gone to him for issues with the federal government, issues Mm -hmm. with uh, SSI, for example, or Social Security Disability. And he steps in. He steps right up to the plate and and does his part to see that, that justice is served. So, he might be able to help. I don't know. If he does, maybe that will set a precedence for the other states' congressmen to do something. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think Biden is going to do anything except make this worse. Um, I don't think anybody's going to do anything for the federal prisoners that are out except just lock them back up so they can, you know, reach that that overhead they're looking for. Yeah, I, I have very very low expectations of what the Biden administration is going to do. They might do some token thing towards the end of his term, um, mm-hmm. but it's 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 a it's a bad situation overall. With uh, the mo- momentum for reform seems to be seems to be trailing off, but it is anyway. Stalled anyway. Yeah. Well, Shannon, thank you so much for coming on the show. I really do appreciate it, and uh, we'll talk soon. Hey, thank you so much for having me. You have a great evening. All right, you do the same. All right, taking a quick break here. I want to talk to you all about my friend, friend of the show, Tyler Colford, a.k.a. Crypto Man, and his new song. And uh, he's featured on a track with Intrinsic. It's called First World Problems. Basically, what it's doing is it's talking about different concepts are woven throughout the track, you know, cancel culture, grifters, inflation, innovation, all kinds of different things. It's a really, really interesting track. Please go wherever you listen to your music, iHeartRadio, Spotify, 
Whichever one of these places where you listen to music, please like and follow Crypto Man. And please like this song, share with your friends. And it's just an awesome song, guys. So I got a clip for you. Check it out. Hope you all enjoyed that interview on Finding Freedom, another awesome guest. And hopefully you guys also have subscribed to the Lions of Liberty podcast and you're getting all three of our unique shows in your uh, little listening device delivered to your ears. Um, If you haven't, please do that. Just go to your app, you know how to do it, and subscribe. You can also leave us a five-star review and a nice comment. We would prefer if you did it on Apple Podcasts, but anywhere you can on the internet, please leave us a positive comment. Also, if you want to support us, we would love that too. Please go to patreon.com slash lines of liberty. You can uh, support us for as little as a couple bucks, or if you get in at a higher level, you get merchandise and access to us and all the way up to you can advertise on the show or get to even produce a show. So check it all out, patreon.com slash lions of liberty. And if you haven't checked it out yet, please consider checking out the Lions of Liberty store where we have some awesome t-shirts. We have a taxation is death t-shirt with an awesome design. We have a wax on tax off t-shirt and we're always coming up with new ideas and adding new t-shirt designs to the store. Check that out at lionsofliberty.store. And if you're in the pride, you get a discount on anything you buy in the store. So you do both of those things and you win. That's all I got, everyone. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. This is John Odermatt signing off. Always remember to keep your head up and the fires of liberty burning. Oh, 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 o